TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hour number two underway. John Grayson here with you on 981 KMBZ. The midday show rolls on. Jamie Monticelli out on vacation. She'll be back with us before too long. Um, and in the meantime, we got a bunch to go over. Uh, there, there has been, and I know, I mean, I heard a good portion of Dana and Parks yesterday, and I know that they were talking about this story as well from a kind of a different angle, but there's been so much said about the wreck that took place while we were here doing the show just a little while back last week um, at the border, the border crossing between, uh, what is it, Niagara Falls, Ontario and Niagara Falls, New York, uh, over the Rainbow Bridge, where a car had gone out of control on the bridge itself and then flew, literally flew through the air um, and ended up crashing into one of the buildings at the border. And it just, it caught on fire. There was a small explosion when the car hit. And we've learned since then a couple of things about it. We learned, first of all, that despite the fears of the, of the fear mongers, it was not terrorism. It had nothing to do with terrorism. This was a couple that had been in Ontario. Uh, I don't even remember what they were doing, but they, they live on Grand Island, which is if you go south from Niagara Falls, New York, that's the first thing you do is you go over a bridge and you're on Grand Island, and then you go over another bridge and you're in Buffalo. So they, they lived there, and they were on their way to a KISS concert. But somehow the car got out of control on the bridge and just, as we said, zoomed through the air, hit the, the abutment. And, I mean, the, the car was just destroyed, as were the two people inside it. Both of them died, man and wife. So what we learned after that was that the car was a Bentley that was unbelievably fast. And not only was it an unbelievably fast car... It was an unbelievably fast car that had a tremendous amount of acceleration potential. So, I mean, it's the difference between horsepower and torque. Horsepower, very oversimplified, means that you can go real, real fast. Torque means you can go from 0 to 60 or 0 to 100 real, real fast. This car, they said, had a top end of 175 miles an hour and could get you there in nothing flat. So it had both ends of the spectrum, a very powerful engine and a a tremendous amount of torque. So um, when the car went out of control, there was also uh, a supposition because of some smoke that was coming out of the back wheels that he was probably standing on the brake pedal to try to get the car to slow down unsuccessfully. So it was burning up brake material like crazy, sending all the smoke out. And the car just would not stop, and boom, they, they ended up com- losing complete control, went airborne, and the rest is history. So Slate decided to take a different angle on this 
And it's one that when I first read it, I had this visceral reaction of, oh, come on. And then I thought about it because I, I try to look at things from a number of different angles, even ones that I disagree with, so that I'll know what my own arguments are and how strong they are. I suggest that, by the way. I recommend it to just about everybody. It, it can do you some real good. And as much as I tried to shoot down what I thought was their ridiculous argument, I couldn't do it. And what they were arguing is, there's no reason for us to be driving cars that can do that. There is absolutely no reason at all to have a car that can go 175 miles an hour here in the United States, no reason at all. We do not have roads that don't have speed limits. We don't have an Autobahn. And by the way, the Autobahn has speed limits on most of it. <laughs> okay? There's, there's only very few areas that are kind of out in the country where you can go as fast as you want. So even that, which is like the, the, the I guess it's become sort of the avatar for driving fast, it's not what you would think. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only time I was ever on the Autobahn, it was near Frankfurt, and it was a blinding snowstorm. And you want to know what? Nothing was moving. It's full of double tractor trailers, and they're all sitting still. You know, I had this vision in my head of, ooh, we're going to be on the Autobahn. I'll see some dude in a Porsche going, you know, 900 miles an hour. No, no, not really. So uh, they, they were making the argument that it doesn't make any sense for us to have the access to these supercars because we can't go that fast. Now... Yes, there are still places where you can take your road car. Can't do it here. I used to, but uh, where you can take your street car onto a track and just do the, you know, the, the the test, the driving test or whatever, and just punch it and see how fast your car can go, zero to sixty or do a quarter mile or whatever. But how many of us actually do? And does it make any sense to sell a car? that can go 175 miles an hour. And like I said, my first reaction to this is I'm sure what you're thinking right now. Well, so what? <laughs> you know, it's my car. If I want a car that can go 175 miles an hour, I should be able to have one. But for what possible reason? I mean, I, I struggle a little bit with the, te the technology. And I know governors exist. And I know everybody who's listening to this program who's an over-the-road truck driver right now is going, yeah, you're damn right they exist. I got one on my rig. Yeah, I, I know. But when it comes to cars, we don't use that. Now, you could also make the case from a technological standpoint that whatever malfunction it was that happened in this Bentley may very well have knocked out the governor anyway. If that car was bound and determined, we don't know what went wrong, but if that car was bound and determined to go every bit of the 175 miles an hour it was capable of, it was going to do it. And if it's a computer that controls all of that that went south, well, then the governor's not going to do you any good. Um, let me explain. Governor, very simply, is a device that you can put on a car. There's a couple of different ways you can do it. Uh, I think the, mo the more common one is a fuel system governor, where it simply won't deliver any... Once you get to speed, it won't deliver any more fuel to the engine than you're already delivering. So the car won't go any faster. It doesn't. You can sit there pounding on the accelerator pedal all you want. It's not going to do you any good. So, I mean, I would that's that may be an old technology that probably is very much a computer-generated thing now that just monitors your speed. It's kind of like a reverse cruise control where it just watches your speed, and when you tell it, I want to go faster, it says no. 
you're not going to go faster. So you could still maintain your zero to 60 time. You could still get from nothing to going real, real fast. So because the one argument that I've heard from people that say, okay, yeah, you you downpower a car like that. You're going to put people in a dangerous situation because sometimes you need to punch it. If you're getting onto the interstate and you're going, you know, 25 or 30 miles an hour up the entrance ramp. Yeah, I know you go faster than that. Um, But you've got to get up to speed real, real fast. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to successfully merge in. You're a hazard out there now. But you could do it if you do it with a governor rather than just making a lower-powered car. You could maintain all of that power that would allow you to get up to speed real, real fast. But when you got there, it would stop you. And if you put those, those things in at like 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, then, I, you know, it, it, is it going to is it gonna really make a difference as far as these kinds of crashes go? I would hate to take one incident like this and base policy on it because it's so much an outlier of an incident. You know, this almost never happens. Just the fact that it could happen doesn't mean it's likely to happen again. So you don't tend to make policy based on things that don't happen all the time. And I get that, too. But still, isn't it kind of silly to have a car that can go 175 miles an hour when there's absolutely nowhere you're going to be able to do that? So if there is, other than just ma freedom, you know, if there is a solid argument against putting some kind of controls on these supercars, whether it's a McLaren or a Bentley, I mean, Bentley's a little more luxury power, you know, McLaren's just an all-out sports car, or a Bugatti Veyron or something like that. If there is a solid argument against keeping those things from being capable of these incredible speeds that are never going to do anybody any good, or at least not legally do anybody any good, then make it. Because I couldn't figure out what it was. I don't. I still don't like the idea. I like going fast. I like the ability to go fast. I have a fast car. So I dig it. But really, I mean, do I find myself going 90, 95, 100 miles an hour very often? No. In fact, I've been over 100 miles an hour, I think, twice. Ever. You know? But it's just, I don't know. If it's just that, well, I don't like anybody else telling me what to do. That's not a solid argument to me. But if there's some other reason why it's a bad idea for us to at least limit just the basic speed that these cars are capable of, I'd love to know what it is. Because honestly, I'd love to shoot this argument down as much as you would. But I just, as much as I thought about it, I couldn't come up with a good, solid reason to do it. So grab a line, 913-586-7798. We'll look down the text line in just a minute and see what's going on there as well. And if you want to jump in and do some talking with us, that's how you get it done. 913-586-7798. We'll return with your phone calls just ahead on 98.1 KMBZ. 11.20 the time. 98.1 98.1 KMBC, John Grayson here with you. Just uh, sharing a Tuesday, and we're talking about this uh, this article that Slate did following that crash in western New York, where, and a couple of you have pointed out that, uh, yeah, the, the guy that died in the crash had complained to friends in days prior that the accelerator was sticking. So it likely was some kind of either mechanical failure or a computer failure that led to that crash. But it was the fact that that car was able to launch itself at way upwards of 100 miles an hour and he was unable to control it. It cost two people their lives. And so Slate comes out with this opinion piece about putting governors on cars. 
Um, we also learned via the text line, by the way, that and I didn't know this, that motorcycle manufacturers already did this, that there was a nasty crash involving a race years ago where uh, these, you know, the the, uh, the super bikes, the, the, the little zing, those things uh, were going over 200 miles an hour and wrecked. So collectively, to avoid legislation, which is how these things always happen, the motorcycle manufacturers put governors on all those bikes. But the governors are set at like 185. So, yeah, yeah. how much more damage would you do at 200 than you would at 185? I don't know. But is it something that should actually be considered? We'll go to Noah and Gardner and see what he's thinking about. Hey, Noah. Hey, how are you doing? Doing all right. What do you think? Oh, I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I called in uh, the other week and gave my opinion on governors on cars, and I said I'm very pro for it. I work for a trucking company. There's a reason truck companies are putting governors on the trucks, uh, just quite simply just because it saves lives. Sure. And the reason why car companies aren't doing it is because they're not liable uh, for what happens once the person's in the car goes that fast. They're not liable. They're not paying the insurance for that kind of stuff. Um, or, I don't know, dude, maybe with the motorcycles, maybe they face a lawsuit and that's why they're doing that. I'm saying uh, and it's no different of a conversation as whenever seatbelts were put into cars. You know, it's it's a restriction on your freedom to drive without a seatbelt, sure, but it saves lives. Right. There's a reason why we don't drink and drive, why we have laws like that. There's, there's laws that protect people, and putting governors on cars is just a law that would protect others. It's not infringing on your rights and your freedom. It's protecting the rights and freedoms of everybody. Well, yeah, and, and, and let me let me stop you there and just add into that the fact that when we're talking about anything that happens while you're driving – there is no such thing. We're not talking about a freedom argument. Okay. Driving is a privilege. It's not a right. They can take your right, yeah. your ability to drive completely away if they wanted to. So, yeah, whatever Congress says has to happen in cars is what has to happen in cars. Yeah. I just, I don't think there's a solid argument that holds up, like you said, on why we shouldn't have governors in cars. Yeah. It's just that um, I want to. I mean, I, like I said, I do like going fast. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want somebody to put a thing on my car that makes it go not as fast. But, I mean, if that's what has to happen, um, I mean, you made a great parallel there with the arguments that did take place. And I remember when they mandated seatbelts. Um, oh, I'm sure. I mean, seatbelts have been in cars since the mid-60s, mandated. But when they mandated their use back in kind of early to mid-80s, and people were just freaking out. How dare you tell me I have to wear a seatbelt behind the wheel? And now it's just everybody does, or everybody yeah, should. It's, it's, yeah, and it's not a big deal at all. It should not affect your day-to-day -day driving because who from day-to-day -day is going 100-plus miles an hour? Right. Very rarely anybody. All right. So I guess as a final point on this, um, where would you set it? What's the speed? I, I believe I looked this up the other day, actually, and I think the, the highest speed limit in America is 85 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, what's the need to go faster than that? Um, I think, like, if, if we're trying to get people on board, maybe set it at 100. But even then, I don't think it should be higher than the highest speed limit that we have currently. Okay. All right. Uh, well said. No, I appreciate the call. I, I don't know. It, it, I still have that uh... – that, that initial distaste for it, 
But uh, like I said, if it's something I can't justify, <laughs> then then I'm going to have a tough time selling it to anybody. Uh, and I wouldn't mind that. A couple of people texted in about Wyoming and Montana, and they tried it. And I guess this is kind of proof of concept, if you want to think about it that way, because this would have been, oh, man, memory fails. Um, late 90s, I want to say, where they decided to have certain rural roads out in the middle of nowhere where you could go as fast as you wanted, as long as it was daylight hours. And they still had, there was a reckless driving proviso in there somewhere that said you couldn't go faster than, um, it was a real subjective thing. It was like, I forget what the wording was, but it was something like you can't go faster than road conditions would dictate you can safely operate the car. So I don't know how you're supposed to discern that, but there was no numerical speed limit. So what happened was the obvious thing. People said, really? (laughs) There's a road with no speed limit? All right, road trip. Let's go. We're going to Montana, boys. We finally have a reason. And so everybody and their mother who wanted to go, you know, as fast as they wanted to, headed out to those roads. And they started having fatal wreck after fatal wreck after fatal wreck. I don't remember how long they stuck around. It might have been a couple of years. But after a fairly short period of time, they retracted it and said, okay, no, and I believe he's right. It was either 80 or 85 miles an hour that they they put in place instead and said, okay, this is costing us too much. This idea of having a no-speed-limit road is costing lives, and it's costing way too much money for rescue vehicles and all of that stuff, so we're just not going to do it anymore. And, I, I mean, 90? At, at, at what point, you know, even in short bursts when you got to get past somebody or whatever, you're still not supposed to do that. Uh, we'll get back to the phones here in half a second. There is a myth out there, myth, yes, that that goes uh, if you're passing somebody, you're allowed to go five miles an hour over the speed limit for like a half a mile or something like that. That's bunk. That does not exist. That is not in the law anywhere. <laughs> that's that's a rumor that somebody started because they were like, well, I have to go faster than him. So, you know, but if you've heard that before, you have been told a lie. Um, so even that doesn't really count. But, yeah, I mean, if you told me, well, you can never take your car over 90 miles an hour again. I don't think that would really change my life any. Bill in Oak Grove is up next. Hey, Bill. Hey, the law you're referring to about Montana was called safe and prudent driving. Thank you. And that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah, the reason they did away with it was because everybody that got one of those tickets was fighting them in court because it was strictly your opinion versus the officer's opinion. Yeah, and it, right, it's it's tough if you're going 130 and you get pulled over because the the officer thinks that's unsafe. Well, you know, I didn't I didn't hit anything, so yeah, obviously, exactly. obviously yeah. it wasn't right. It, it was, it was, I was, I'm a retired truck driver. I have to admit, it was kind of impressive, you know, to be out there and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and you think you've seen something and then you. Feel your truck shake, yep. and somebody zooms by you, you know, Mach three or four. But I know, me personally, I don't think that there needs to be governor. I mean, I I can't afford a high end car that's capable of doing that. Sure, you know what I mean. But I don't think that we should limit. I mean, it, it just I mean, I'd say I'm not. I I would love to have the money to buy a you know McLaren <laughs> or something. But yeah. I think we still should have the option to do it. I don't think that. It's just necessary to say, you know, no, we can't, you know. And anything that they do today is all computerized, and it, we, we already know how successful that is, you know what I mean, with all the computer hacks. Right. So, I, you know, so I think if they started trying to put a, you know, I mean, you can put rev limiters on your car, 
and we'll do the same thing. But all you got to do is change the pill in a river limiter, and you get it. You know, it's gonna. It, anyway, I just like to say, I just wanted to mention that law you were referring to is called safe and prudent driving. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, right. uh, thanks, Bill. Yeah, and and I'm kind of in that same boat. It's like I I feel like I don't want it, but I can't come up with a good reason not to do it. Um, and it, you know, you balance that against saving lives and you say, okay, uh, if this diminishes the number of deaths on the road by a thousand every year or by 10,000 or by 200, I mean, it's more people who are still alive because they weren't going some ungodly speed just to prove they could actually do it. He's right though. I, uh, that's another thing that came up over and over again on the text line is people saying, yeah, I mean, you can put a computer governor on my car. No problem. I'll find a way around it. <laughs> and you can. We'll take a brief time out on that. We've got traffic and weather. We'll change gears, pun intended, right after the bottom of the hour. We've got a few more things to toss in your direction as we continue on through this Tuesday on 98.1 KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. John Grayson with you Monday, no, Tuesday, whatever today is. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> doing, a, doing some talking. We'll, we're going to get one more call in about the governors, and then we're going to head off into a different direction. And again, uh, after the crash in New York last week that people freaked out about because, oh, it's a border, and then found out, no, 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 it was just a car that malfunctioned. Um, the, a number of articles, including this one in Slate, have come up advocating keeping the speed down either with a computer in the car or, or with a you know physical governor in some way limiting how fast your car is able to go. And while none of us seems to be really happy about the idea, it's hard to come up with a good argument against it because we do, in fact, have speed limits. So if you can't legally go 120 miles an hour, why should your car be able to? Especially when it's so easy to make it not do that. Nicole in Kansas City's got some thoughts. Hi, Nicole. Hey, um... I actually have a love-hate relationship with governors. I am currently governed at 70 miles an hour um, in my semi. Um, and I, I drive through Kansas City every day. Uh, listen to your show every day. Thank I love you. it. Oh, you're very yeah, kind. Yeah. Um, and so now I own a Camaro. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I... I I uh, I do go a little over um, every once in a while, 
Um, I have done what you have done every once in a while. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't. I don't like the idea of a governor in my vehicle personally, but I understand it. I understand where they're coming from. Um, But the reason that I don't like the idea is because of, you know, what if my son has an emergency and I need to get to him? I don't want to be sitting there governed. I'm sorry, but that just makes me, um, I mean, I understand (laughs) I know that I know that uh, you know people around me would not like me speeding around, yeah. but you know for emergencies or you know what if you're being chased, you know you need to be. I don't know, but that's a paranoid person in me. I'm just you're like, like, oh my god, yeah, like Dennis Weaver in Duel. Um, right, I know, I know, but you know, but I guess for the emergency standpoint, yeah, but of course that could cause another emergency. You know, what if you wreck because you're already upset? So I guess that's the only two things okay. that I could come up with for an for a, a reason. All right, <laughs> now I, I do have one quickie for you on the the fact that yeah. your governor is set at seventy miles an hour. What happens yeah. if you drive 70 west, go into the Kansas side, and, you know, I don't know, what is it, 10 right. miles out of town, and the speed limit's up to 75? You can't even do that. I can't. I can't. And the problem is, is that, um, you know, if I'm trying to – and people get mad at us for this. If I am trying to pass another truck uh-huh. and they are governed at, like, you know, 68, and I am trying to get past them because, like, if they're hauling a heavier than me and they're trying to get up hills, but then they all of a sudden are going down the other side, and so they can go faster going down that hill because they're heavy, they're getting pushed. People get mad at me because I'm trying to get past them. Um, uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't get around them. So I have to slow back down, get back behind them. It's very frustrating. I wish that there was a way I could speed up a little bit more, get around them, and make it easier for the other traffic. I have you know? I have screamed about that before. Yes, my it's like, yes, oh, yes. come on. A good, yes, a good truck driver will do that. Yeah. But some truck drivers, we get so frustrated sometimes with that um, that it <laughs> – it's it's a it's a love hate relationship yeah. with governors. I'm telling you, I got you. <laughs> it really is. Well, Nicole, yep. thank you. Yeah, keep it safe out there. Thanks a lot for getting involved in the program. Yeah, that that scene uh, where you're the one behind the two trucks and one keeps trying to get by the other one and he can't. And what what I've said in the past is why doesn't the guy on the right just slow down a little? I mean, you don't have to slow down to like 30. Take a couple of miles an hour off of it. Let him pass you. You know he wants to anyway. And, yeah, I just sit there just gripping the wheel going, would one of you please do something? <laughs> and I know they can't, except if one of them slows down. And, boy, you know, we can't have that on the uh, on the interstates. Now, um, switching gears entirely, again, pun intended, I want to go out to Cal Poly University for a second. Not literally, but I'm going to take you with me so it's all good. News out of Yahoo that there is something, and this speaks to a number of different things. Uh, there's something that's been going on at Cal Poly for quite some time where college is expensive. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> it's just unbelievable the amount of money that it costs to go to college. So if you have a kid who doesn't come from money, like I didn't, uh, who's trying to get through college, they're having a much harder time than you and I did when we did. You know, when, when we were in school, I don't know what the cost is per credit hour on average, but I remember when my son, who is now, uh, quick math, 32, 
when he started, he went to a very good and very expensive school up in the Quad Cities. Now, he got a scholarship. He got an academic scholarship, which took about half of the price off. And that's the only way we were going to be able to afford it. But at that point, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I want to say it was $32,000 a year to send him to school. I mean, it was just and that was, you know, that was a fair long time ago. You figure what that is now. I mean, we're talking about he ended college 20 years or 10 years ago. Don't want to make myself older than I already am. So, you know, 10 years ago, it was that expensive. Now we're looking at the the amount just skyrocketing every single year. So what these kids did is they said, all right, fine. We'll pay the money to go to college and we'll keep grades up and get scholarships and all of that wherever we can. But instead of paying rent, what we're going to do is we're going to park our vehicles. Some of them are RVs. Some of them are sedans. Some of them are like the little the little camper cab, the one that looks like a van on the front. has got the camper on the back of it. Those kinds of things. And we'll get a parking pass, a year-round parking pass, which is like 350 bucks. We'll pay that and then just park in the parking lots at school and live here. There's only one problem, and it's the only way that they can do it, by the way. I mean, you figure 350 bucks a year in California, where are you going to find rent for that? <laughs> You're not. Uh, so it's really their only option. It's the only way they can afford to go to school. And what happened was it was a very cool scene. Somebody did it. Then somebody else said, you know, that's not a bad idea. And it became this burgeoning community of students at Cal Poly who formed this society and they, I mean, they help each other out. If somebody's car breaks down, you know, they all chip in and and fix the car and, uh, you know, they have uh, little get togethers and things like that. And it just became this little insular thing um, that built itself out of nothing. And they weren't taking anything away from anybody because they were parking in a place where they had already paid the parking fee. Here's the problem though. Cal Poly has a policy that says you can't camp out overnight. Up till now, for the last, I don't know, few years running, they haven't enforced it. But they sent out emails and letters to all of the kids who were doing that and said, starting now, they're going to go back to enforcing the policy that says no overnight camping. So now instead of this very cool little communal thing, this society that's grown up, and a bunch of kids who are able to attend that university only by virtue of the fact that they don't have to pay rent somewhere else, a bunch of them are now looking at having to leave school. They're looking at having to quit college, at least at Cal Poly Humboldt. Now, I don't know what their specialty is. I, you know, it's obviously, it's a polytechnical university, or they wouldn't call it that. But, you know, your choices, especially if you stay in California, are going to be fairly limited. I mean, what are you going to do? Leave Cal Poly because you can't afford it and then go to Caltech or Berkeley? <laughs> Good luck. So they're faced with this devil's bargain of, do I go out and get a job And some of them already have jobs, but do I go out and get another job just so I can pay rent and leave school because I can't afford tuition and rent? Or do I somehow try to stay here and keep grades while working my full head off trying to be able to pay tuition and rent somewhere else? 
and they're just kind of left out in the cold. I mean, as cold as it gets in California. But you know what I mean? You would hate to think that you're going to have uh, 30, 40 kids who are going to have to leave school now because they've been priced out of the market. Now, right now, I know a couple of things because there's probably one sitting in the other room that there's a bunch of 22, 23, 24, 25 year olds going, yeah, you think you know how expensive college is. Let's talk. And and I get it. Uh, but, you know, you, you, these kids are there because they want to be there. They want to learn. They want to be able to better themselves, better their situation and be able to live a better life than they would if they quit school. But they're now faced with no other choice simply because they can't afford it. And I don't know what to tell them. I mean, I don't know why the university has decided to take this step after ignoring them for a fairly decent amount of time. Why now they've decided to take this step and say, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. It seems like cutting off your nose to spite your face because you're taking a bunch of money that you would be paid. Now, chances are, if these 40 or 50 kids leave school, they're going to be replaced by 40 or 50 other kids who can afford it. But isn't that kind of junk, too? I mean, the idea that you no longer will have the ability to improve your lot and improve yourself because you can't afford it. I mean, are we really going to work ourselves into a situation where in order to afford a college degree, you're going to have to already be fairly wealthy? And I mean, I think we're already there. I, I, I think in some ways that ship has sailed. But what do you do about these kids? And why on earth? I mean, they're not doing anything. It's not like they're damaging the parking lots, you know, by, by sleeping in their cars overnight. So I don't know why, but it just seems like one more step that's going to make it that much harder for anybody to, you know, the old pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, it seems like what they're doing now is just slicing right through those bootstraps. So if you've got some ideas on this, and if you're in that situation, I mean, granted, Cal Poly Humboldt probably costs a little bit more, or maybe not, honestly. I was going to say than Mizzou or, or KU or K-State, but it may not be that much different. And if you're in that situation now, how in the name of all that is good and holy are you affording to be able to keep yourself in school? And what kind of corners are you having to cut to be able to do it? We'll get to your phone calls just ahead. If you want to jump in, 913-586-7798. Got a few more things to add in on this, but we definitely want to hear from you, and the phone lines are ringing now. So be among them. We'll check in on the text line, too, just ahead on 98.1 KMBZ. So just to recap real quick, Cal Poly Humboldt is where all of this is going on. A bunch of kids who were going to the school found that they couldn't afford the school and rent. So they decided to live in their vehicles. And it, it runs the gamut of everything from RVs all the way down to just sedans. And it became this community of people who are all doing this. They've all bought year-round parking passes, and they're staying overnight in their, in their vehicles. And it's become a thing where everybody kind of pitches in to help everybody else. Somebody on the text line asked about bathroom facilities. Well, you're, you're faced with two things. It's a college, so there's going to be bathroom facilities there that you can use. Um, and, and they don't tend to lock those things up overnight. At least they didn't when I was in school. So that's one option. The other option is if you're one of the kids in a sedan, you go knock on the door of one of the RVs. And like I said, they're all kind of pitching in to help each other out. So using somebody else's bathroom probably isn't outside the realm of possibility. 
I mean, they're talking about guys who are helping patch roofs on the RVs and things like that. And the school has decided, no, no more. They're cracking down. Somebody on the text line asked, why now? Um, and we'll get into that. I think LT in Overland Park wants to ask that same question. LT, welcome into the program. Hey, guys. How are you? Thank you. Doing all right. What's on your mind? So that's what I was asking is what has happened? You know, is there noise? Is there partying? Is there alcohol? Is there uh, trash? Is there, um, you know, if, if you've been drinking stuff and you don't go knocking on your buddy's RVs and you have to go to the bathroom, where are you going to the bathroom? Um, like you stated at a point that um, the doors were unlocked when you're in college and stuff. Nowadays, I severely doubt that they leave doors unlocked at schools with everything that has happened. Um, I mean, doors are locked now during school days, let alone after school hours. You know what I mean? Something, I, th- I feel like we're missing part of the story of what has been going on. Because these are college students. They're not just, you know, 40, 50-year-olds that, hey, let's just hang out and have a beer. You know, I remember when I was that age, we had cakes and we had big speakers and we had partying. You know what I mean? But that stuff goes on in student housing, too. You know, it's, 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 it's not limited to these guys. And the school hasn't pointed to any incidents, nothing. They, they said, well, it's, it's a matter of public safety. And they kind of left it at that. So they, they gave a non-answer when they were asked, why are you cracking down now and why didn't you before? But they, they weren't able to point up to any particular things that had happened that they thought were you know, particularly dangerous like that. Sure. And if nothing has happened and everybody's orderly and everything is good, I think it's a great idea. I think it was awesome. When I heard about this, I was like, man, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. I mean, I kind of wish that, that somebody had figured that out when I was in school. It would have cost me less in rent. LT, thanks. Yeah, a lot. I mean, that's oh, yeah. awesome. Go ahead, man. All right. Hey, appreciate you getting in. Yeah, I, if they had... If they had done something like that and they said, look, um, you know, campus police are getting called out to, they call it the line because it's a big line of vehicles that are out there in these parking lots. And if they said, yeah, you know, the campus police have been called out there 27 times in the last year and they're a problem and they're, you know, just causing trouble. But it doesn't seem like any of that's happening. At least, again, not any more than to the extent that it would happen in, in on-campus housing. Somebody on the text line, by the way, was speculating maybe the reason they're doing this now is to try to force those kids into living in on-campus housing. Problem is, not all of them can afford that either. We'll go to Ashley in Oak Grove up next. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Um, I'm betting that's exactly what it is, is now that so many kids are living in the RVs outside of the dormitories that it's making it not financially advantageous to the university to have those doors dorms open again and the rates for the students that live in dorms have to go up so much to compensate for those kids that aren't that's exactly what i think's going on you know a lot of colleges i know when i went to school at columbia college you had to live on campus for your first and second year Uh, And then I transferred to Mizzou my sophomore year because I wanted to go live with my grandfather in Columbia 
and Columbia College would not let me, but yeah. Mizzou would let me. And at Mizzou, you've got to live on campus your freshman year, which I think is a great idea, but it's also terribly expensive to live in the dorm. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, to the school I was talking about that my son went to, Augustana, they did the same thing. I believe freshman and sophomore year, you had to live in on-campus housing. And then yeah, exactly. he was able to move in with his frat brothers you know, to, a, yeah. to an off-campus house after that. Yeah, and that was why I left Columbia. I mean, it wasn't like I was wanting to go live with a boyfriend or something. I was wanting to go live with my 80-year-old grandfather and take <laughs> care of him. How, how lived, could you? I know, exactly. We were going to be having raging parties every <laughs> single night, darn it. Come on. But anyway, um, yeah, so I'm betting that's exactly what's going on. And if I were one of those students, I'd be throwing a fit about it. I'd yeah. be uh, requesting campus uh, police reports for what all they've had to be out there for, what all's happened, because if it's a matter of public safety, then let's see the reports. Right. Yeah, and, and, of course, they're saying all the same generic mean-nothing words that are just spewing out of them like, uh, I'm sure we can find a way to, uh, to address this in a way that best serves our students and community. Okay, what uh, yeah, is it? Which, oh, well, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, which tells me we're going to make sure it best serves our financial needs at this school before yep. it best serves our students because we all know that most schools are there to make money. Yeah, and of course, what does it do? It takes the kids who don't have any and kicks them to the curb. Exactly. So it's a crap situation. I feel bad for those kids because those are obviously kids that really want to be there and want to get an education. Yeah. Those are the kids you want in your school. Not only that, I mean, just, yeah, and thank you, Ashley. Not only that, but the innovation of it all. I mean, if I'm an employer... After these kids get out or while they're still in school, you know, we're looking for somebody to fulfill a paid internship or something along those lines. This is these are the kids I want. It's like not only are you putting everything on the line just to continue your education, but you also came up with an awesome idea. Um, I don't know if we do. We have, yeah, yeah, we're unfortunately Ken. I'm sorry. I see you there, but uh, we're out of time for the hour. So we're not going to be able to take your call. You're going to move into some other areas of study. See, I keep doing that. Uh after the top of the hour, afternoon, uh, grab yourself something to eat, and we'll do a little talking after that. John Grayson here with you, sharing a Tuesday on 98.1 KMBZ, and we'll keep an eye on this story and let you know if there's any further developments, if the uh, if Cal Poly decides to back off of this, or if we start to see it in other places as well. Stick around. Plenty more to come. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.